Father in heaven, you are worthy. Lord, I, I know full and well that I am unworthy. God, even though I am insufficient, your grace is all sufficient. And so, God, now as we turn our hearts and our minds and our attentions to your word, we pray, Father, that your word would shine through. Father, no one is here to listen to the foolish ramblings of a simple man. We have all gathered in this place to sing your praises, to worship you, and to hear from you, Spirit. So, Father, we ask, would you add your richest blessing to the reading, to the teaching, to the proclamation of your holy word? Lord, where those of us need to be convicted and challenged in our lives, would you do that through your word? Father, those of us who need to be comforted, who need strength and encouragement, Lord, would you move through your word to do that as well? We love you, Father. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to you, God, our Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to take them once again and turn right back to where Jake started us off in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. You've got your four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You've got Acts and Romans, First and Second Corinthians. Then we get to the General Electric Power Cooperative. You're welcome, Colton. And then you move on through that way. That's how I find my way to Galatians every time. It is the general of the General Electric Power Cooperative. Helps you get where you need to go. We're in Galatians. We'll be reading chapter 4, verse 8, through chapter 5, verse 1. Now, there's nothing necessarily sacred or special about standing while we read the word of the Lord, but I will tell you that we do have a few examples and a few models of doing that. I didn't want to make you have to stand up and sit down and stand up and sit down several times this morning, but I would ask if you're physically able, would you please stand once again as out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word as we look together at Galatians chapter 4 beginning in verse 8. I will read for us as I conclude. I will encourage you to say, thanks be to God after I have said this is the word of the Lord. Paul writes, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. 
my little children, for whom I am again in anguish, the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are the children of promise. But just as at the time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We come to this passage in Galatians, and Paul begins to move from his argument about how we are saved and the Galatians are saved by the promise of God and how the law that was given to Moses cannot supersede the promise that was given to Abraham. That's why it's so important, the things that Jason read to us, the scripture that he shared with us, God saves us through his promise that he would deliver. God saves us by fulfilling that promise that he did deliver in Jesus Christ. Christ. But as we've said many times in this very sermon series, Paul travels abroad and he is a missionary and he's planting churches everywhere he goes. And then there are people that come behind him and say, listen, that's great and wonderful. I know that Paul is telling you that we're saved by God's grace. I know that Paul is telling you that we are saved through faith. And I know that all of this is done in Christ alone. But once you've believed, you got to start working. And if you don't start working, you ain't going to earn God's favor. And God's not going to like you. God's not going to think good of you. And you ain't going to make it. So Paul has been arguing against those who have been poisoning everyone in every church that he has planted. When he arrives here at verse 8, he is just on the heels of telling us, like we looked at last week, that everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus who allows Jesus to be their Savior and Lord, is a son. 
There are no slaves. There are no free. There are no men and women, male and female. There is no young and old. There is no Jew. There is no Greek because we are all now sons of God. If you'll remember, ladies, I apologize, but they wrote it that way because in that cultural context, it did not do a lot of good by way of being a citizen to be a woman, mainly because you couldn't be a citizen. You couldn't own land. You couldn't have inheritance if you were a woman. The inheritance passed to the son. So Paul is not condoning that cultural context, but he is writing from within it. So he says that everyone who believes in Jesus gets the position of sonship. It's not that we all have distinctives that just vanish. It is not that there is no gender. It is that we are all in the position, the prominent role of being a son and co-heir. So we are all equal at the foot of the cross. We're not the same But we are equal because we are all sons if we believe in Jesus. Now, ladies, if you feel like that's unfair that you have to be a son of God, just remember that we also have to be the bride of Christ. So even the most manly of men who can chop wood and throw axes and all that great stuff, we still have to be the bride of Christ. It's just something you got to cope with, all right? I got to be the bride. You got to be a son. It's the context in which these things were written, all right? We roll with it. So Paul then moves into, if you are a son, don't go back to being a slave. He says, you have made it out of slavery and now you are a son. Why would you want to return to slavery? Folks, this is, this is a little bit grotesque and I apologize, but if you've ever owned dogs, have you noticed that a dog has a terrible habit of when they get sick, they throw up, they go away for a minute, and then they think about it. Hmm, something smells good. I don't know what smells so yummy, but something's smelling delicious. <gasps> Is that a pile of throw up? And they return to their own vomit. And unless you get in the way, they will lick it up and eat it again. What is wrong with them? It is absolutely disgusting. I'm sorry. I know. But I want us to keep in mind that is what we do when we have been given the position of being a son of God, a co-heir with Christ, and then we choose to return to the slavery of sin, to the slavery of the law, to the slavery of working our way into heaven. Folks, it's about like this backpack. Now bear with me. We're not in an airport. Someone was worried earlier this morning that if This backpack was not left here intentionally that it may be a foreign object that needs to be inspected. I put the backpack here. It's okay. I didn't put books in it. I put something very useful, a cinder block. So there's a cinder block here in my backpack. And what we do is we carry this burden, this yoke of slavery to sin. But see what happens to us is we get it up here and it's kind of hard to get there. And once you get there, you get it on and once you get it on... You know, it's ah, not quite so bad. feels about like my backpack in college. I remember trekking across campus, loaded down about like this. And I don't know about y'all, but I put my uh, flash drive on my keys so that I wouldn't forget my flash drive. And that just ensured I forgot my keys. So I'd walk all the way across campus with my backpack on, and then I'd get to my car and reach for my keys. And they were still attached to the zip drive that was plugged into the computer in the library on the other side of campus. And then you got to walk all the way back across campus to go get it. And you know, when, when you got a yoke and a burden on your shoulders, 
when you walk a little bit, after you get going, you kind of get used to it. I mean, I still got a lot of freedom of movement here. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm moving pretty good. This is slightly uphill. I'm doing okay. I kind of even forgotten that the backpack's there. I can move on in my life and everything seems to be fine. This is us living under the slavery of sin and the law. We're carrying a heavy load on our backs. We just get so used to it, we don't even know that it's there. We get so immune to how heavy and hard this burden is, it doesn't phase us. But I've never, I've never been around somebody who trusts in Jesus genuinely that it doesn't immediately lift a burden from them. And when they believe in Jesus, they realize how much weight they've been carrying around. You see it on their face. You see it in their lives. When you trust in Jesus, this weight of sin, this pressure, this burden, this yoke of earning God's favor, of doing it ourselves, is lifted from our shoulders. But for whatever reason, Paul writes to the Galatians because we need to hear the same thing that the Galatians hear. We are dogs returning to our own vomit. We've ditched this burden of sin. We've ditched this burden of earning God's favor. But as we live, we kind of look at it and go, you know, that gray in that backpack sure made my suit pop, right? Like, I mean, that gray just tied in with my gray. There's a little red on it. I'm wearing a little bit of red. I mean, I look pretty good in it. Y'all see me walking down this aisle right here? I was styling with that backpack. You know, I mean, I, maybe I, I just, you know, I just put it on for a second. Yeah, I just, I just, I put, I look good in it. I mean, look how strong I look when I can just lift it and throw it over my shoulder. Yeah, manly man. See, look, I've even got the one, you know, the one strap look. I mean, I'm, I'm looking pretty good. This is, this is great. Folks, when this happens, this is us trying to live for Christ, but continuing to be enslaved by sin. There's a pretty girl that walks by and all of a sudden our minds race. And we begin to think about that pretty girl. There's a handsome and charming man that shows up in your life, and all of a sudden lust begins to creep its ugly head. And, boy, that backpack sure is looking good right now. Oh, there's some juicy gossip that's being spread around the office. I mean, we, we started a separate Zoom call and everything, and we're talking about the other people on the Zoom call. Did you see the way that she was looking at her screen at him? Oh, my goodness. Self-righteousness starts to creep in a little bit. You know what? Uh, I'm just glad that I've been going to church my whole life. Not like some of these heathens ain't even been going to church. Tell you what, COVID-19, schmovid 19 I've been in the church house, and these other folks sitting at home watching. Get some self-righteousness. Man, this backpack's starting to feel good again. Folks, this is our life. This is what the Galatians did. This is why Paul is saying, formerly, when you didn't know God, you were enslaved to those that are by nature not gods. Football is not a god. Our family is not a god. God is God. And our priorities, especially over this time frame of quarantine and being at home, all of our normal habits, all of our normal routines that are Christian and holy habits and righteous routines, we have begun to throw them out the window little by little and begun to serve Little g gods that are not gods. And little by little it's creeped in and we've put our backpack on and got it on just a little bit more secure. You know, I used to have a backpack that it was, it was for heavy duty stuff and it had like a buckle. 
that you could put around here. I couldn't find that backpack for this sermon right here, but I want you to know we get it on good and secure. And Paul's saying, why? Why are you returning to these weak and worthless elementary principles? They can't save you. They may feel good in a moment, but they will ruin your soul. That gossip might be juicy and your brain might be telling you you want to hear it. That lie might be something that will evade some awkwardness. But you know what? In the end, it's going to come back and bite you. Man, that that donut looks good right now, but you're already full. You don't need anything else to eat. Folks, we allow ourselves to be enslaved by our sin. And when we trust in Christ, he sets us free. You see what happens in every other religion. In every other philosophy, the divine God is at the top of a mountain. And we, with our heavy backpacks, are at the bottom of the mountain. We're all down here. See, look, together we're all down here. And we got to get all the way up there. And so we got our backpack, and it's all up to us. And what we can do is we just climb up this mountain. But the problem is we can't ever make it up this mountain. Even if we didn't have the backpack, we can't make it. But every other religion tells us, you can make it. Just climb real hard. Just work real hard. Maybe you didn't make it far enough this time, but just maybe try again. You might get another life and another chance. And instead of starting down here, maybe you start up here this time. And now you've only got that far to go before you make it to the top of the mountain. When we pick this backpack up, when we try to earn our salvation, when we try to say, I'm going to be really good so that God will love me, we're doing the same thing that all those other religions teach. But you see, the difference is in Christianity, God is up there on the mountain. We're all down here. But Jesus got up off the mountain, came down to us, offered to take our backpack for us carry us up the mountain to him and somehow along the way we've forgotten that it's not me it's not you it's not my effort it's all in christ and then after we forget that it's not our effort we go well maybe today it won't be that big of a deal if i fall back into that sin maybe today it just won't matter all that much But Paul says you're no longer a slave. Live as a son. Have you guys ever seen The Shawshank Redemption? One of my all-time favorite movies. I just Look, this is such a classic film. I need to know, by show of hands, who has seen Shawshank Redemption. Right here with me. Praise the Lord. You people have great taste in film. If you have not seen it, you go home this afternoon and you find it and you watch it. It is a wonderful movie, terrible language. Try and find it with like some sort of filter on it, okay? Because it takes place in a prison, there's going to be bad language. So, in this movie, some of you will be familiar with the character Brooks. He's been in the prison for decades. He's been in this institution, and he finally gets parole. And so he gets parole, he gets out of the prison, and he goes and he's sacking groceries, and all the cars are whizzing by, and he's been in the jail for so long, he doesn't know how to live. And it's just a tragic scene. He's, he's written a letter back to his friends in the prison, and they're reading the letter, and his voice is voicing over as you're watching him try to find his way in real life as a free man, but he doesn't know how to live. He cannot be freed from the slavery of the prison, and so 
he ends up taking his own life. And then you have the same scenes begin to happen again with the main character, with Red. Which, by the way, if you've read the, the story, The Shawshank Redemption, it's fantastic. There actually was an Irishman in the story. But Morgan Freeman did such a good job in his audition, they said, well, we'll just make Morgan Freeman the actor even though he's not Irish. So then there's like this throwaway line in the middle of the movie where they go, hey, why does everybody call you Red? And he goes, I don't know. Reckon it's because I'm Irish. And that's all it says. And it just moves on. Just a fun fact. I know y'all didn't pay for that. That's just extra, okay? Look, random movie trivia is all I'm good for most days, all right? So anyway, Morgan Freeman's character, Red, He does the same thing. He's been in prison for like 40 years, and he finally gets parole. And he is staying in the same room where Brooks stayed. He's working in the same grocery store where Brooks worked. But the difference is Red finds hope. Brooks could never find hope. See, Red is so captivated by living the life of being institutionalized, being in the prison, that even as he bags groceries, he has to talk to his boss and say, hey, boss, can I have a restroom break? And his boss calls him over there and goes, hey, man, you don't have to ask me every time you need to go to the restroom. Just go to the restroom. But he'd been in prison for so long that he says, I was physically unable to go to the restroom without somebody giving me permission to go. That's how the prison affected his mind. Folks, The same thing is true for us in our life of sin. We live in sin for so long, and it is so tempting that when Christ frees us, we have to find a new way to live. It's like we talked about last week. There's a new way to be human, and it doesn't include judgment. It doesn't include condemnation. It doesn't include lust and gossip and lies and murder. It's a life filled with God's Spirit. So, to elaborate this a little further, Paul makes a great analogy. And he says that he gives this as an allegory. He talks about Abraham having two sons. One of the sons was by Hagar, and one of the sons was by Sarah. And he says you can interpret this allegorically. Now, let me just throw up a big warning flag right here. All right? Paul interprets this passage from the Old Testament allegorically. That means it's a literary device, all right? It just means that you're representing abstract thoughts with concrete people, okay? So think about like Pilgrim's Progress. That story is an allegory. You think about, um, what's, the, what's the guy's name? Moby Dick, you know, the, the Herman Melville? Yeah, that whole story is an allegory, all right? You don't want to just walk up to Scripture and interpret everything allegorically, We're interpreting this passage as an allegory because the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to interpret it allegorically. But what happens when you just take anything in Scripture and make it represent something abstract, you can make Scripture say anything you want it to say. So we have to be very careful with interpreting the Bible solely as an allegory. But in this case, the Holy Spirit led Paul to say we can interpret Abraham and Sarah and Hagar as an allegory. And they represent the promise to Abraham and the law that was given through Moses. So you you may be familiar with the story, but, you know, Abraham and Sarah are getting on up in years. They've been waiting for decades for God to deliver on his promise that he'd give them a kid. And Sarah wakes up one morning and says, Abraham, I got it. I got it figured out. Here's what we're going to do. 
I'm going to let you spend the evening with my handmaiden, Hagar, and then you guys can have a kid together, and that'll be the kid that God was talking about. My plan will work great to fulfill God's plan. Yeah, that always works out awesome. Abraham, being a dutiful husband as he is, says, no, honey, I could never, please don't. Okay, I will. And that's Abraham's story. So Abraham spends time with Hagar, and they have a son named Ishmael. Well, when when God delivers on his promise, Abraham's 100 years old. Sarah is 90 years old. 90 years old. Folks, it was physically impossible for the woman to have a child. All the biological functions that should have been there were shut down. She's 90 years old. And yet, it is a miracle and God brings forth Isaac. That's the same way that the Galatians got saved. There's nothing that the Galatians could have done to earn favor with God or make themselves look better to God. God saved them miraculously, the same way that he brought Isaac miraculously. This is the point of the allegory. There was a woman who was enslaved. You have to cast off the yoke of slavery. Then he wraps everything up in chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Folks, I don't know who needs to hear it this morning. But leave your sin life behind you. Leave the yoke of slavery behind you. You can't work your way to God. God had to come to us. Stop trying to get to him that way. It is by grace. It is through faith. It is in Christ. That changes our lives. And our lives will look different. We will begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. But if you this morning are thinking, if I can just do better, God will accept me. He will love me. Stop. Throw off the yoke of slavery. This morning, I I know it may be childish. And I know that this might be like the most cringy thing ever for you in a church. But you're going to repeat after me. Everybody all right with that? Can we deal with that this morning? We're going to do one of those things where the preacher says, you say this and I'm going to count to three and then you're going to say it. All right, everybody good? This is yes. This is no. This is wait, what? I was asleep. What's happening? All right, everybody with me? Here we go. I am not a slave. Say it. I am a child of God. Say it again. I am not a slave. I am a child of God. We have to leave the slavery of our sin and our self-righteousness behind us. And folks, I want you to know we're in good company, okay? Don't think that this is a new problem. Look with me in the book of Numbers. One quick reference. I promise we're drawing it to a close. Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. We're going to read the first four verses of Numbers chapter 14. I don't have it up on the screen, so turn there. In your, in your own Bible, in your phone, in your tablet, turn there in your own text. Numbers chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. The word of the Lord says, then all the congregation, everybody raised a loud cry 
And the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt! Or would that we had died in the wilderness! Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives, our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to just go back to Egypt? They said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You remember from our time in Exodus, it's not a new statement. Folks, even as far back as God freeing the children of Israel from literal slavery. They are owned by the Egyptians and forced to work against their will. And their choice when God is trying to free them is, I just want to go back to Egypt. I mean, at least we had something to eat, you know? I mean, like, we don't even have any meat out here, Moses. Like, I don't understand, Moses. Can't we just go back to Egypt? Flip through the story of Exodus, the story that continues in Numbers and Deuteronomy. How many times are you going to find, can't we just go back to Egypt? I just want to go back. Folks, a life indulging in sin seems fun for a moment. Sometimes walking as a Christian can be much harder. Maybe simple, but it's not easy. And sometimes when life gets hard and you think, I thought I was supposed to get blessings. <laughs> like, I didn't think people in my family were supposed to die or I was supposed to have any problems. Like, I got fired from my job and I'm trusting in Jesus. What that? I just want to go back to being a slave. Can't I just go back to Egypt? You're not a slave anymore. You trust in Christ. The road might be hard. The road's guaranteed to be narrow. But don't go back to slavery. Don't go back to our old life of sin and neglect of the Lord, of serving little g gods. But remember, we are children, co-heirs of the one true and living God, and He has given us freedom. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. So let us not return to the yoke and the burden and the life of slavery. Folks, here's the the last thing I'll leave with you. Because you might be here this morning and you might have repeated with all of us, I'm not a slave, I'm a child of God. But if you've never trusted in Jesus, you ain't been adopted yet. I might have led you in repeating me, but What you said wasn't true unless you trust in Jesus. And what you don't realize right now is you're still walking around carrying this doggone cinder block. You can't not go back to your old way of living if you're still living the old way. If you've never trusted in Jesus and you've never felt the weight of that burden fall off your shoulders... Folks, this morning it can be time for you. You don't have to climb the mountain. Jesus came down the mountain to get you. He died. And then He rose again so that you and I could have life if we believe in Him and make Him Savior and Lord. Are are you willing this morning 
let the burden go. To have peace that surpasses all understanding. Even when your loved ones pass away, even when life is hard, are you willing to trust in Christ and feel the burden of your soul fly away? Folks, if you've already been walking with Christ, let us not return to the life of slavery. Let's live differently. Not because we're trying to earn our salvation, but because of what God has done for us. Because of what the Spirit is doing in us. Let's live as free men and women. Sons and daughters of the Most High King. Not slaves of this world and a law that could never save. What will you decide to do this morning? Where will you stand? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that when we could never make our way to you, you made a way for us. Lord, thank you that you have taken the penalty of sin, that you free us from the power of sin, and that one day, oh, what a day it will be, Lord, you will free us from the very presence of sin. God, if there is anyone listening to the sound of my voice online or in person this morning who has not trusted in you, Lord, would your spirit move upon them? Not because of anything other than your goodness and your grace. Would you draw them unto yourself that they might lose the burden of serving false gods? Lord, we're prone to wander. We feel it. Our hearts are prone to leave you, the God that we love, for those of us who already trust in you. We pray, Lord, that just like in Come Thou Fount, that you would bind us with shackles and chains like a fetter to your word and to your love, that we might experience true freedom by becoming your sons, being freed from sinful slavery. God, we ask that you would move during this time of response, that, Spirit, you would stir our hearts towards you, and that we would respond in obedience. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.